about another aspect of the Trinity today. And, um, you know, since we've kind of done some movies, I want to, I want to show you another, um, slide from a movie. You tell me who this is, not the, not the real life person. You tell me his character, what movie it's from, and then we'll go on from there. Here it is. William Wallace. He wears a skirt and he's a man. Um, William Wallace. Do you remember the movie? Braveheart. And, uh, Great, great movie. I think probably most guys here love them. It's a great movie. A lot of women hate the movie because of the way it ends, and it's been out for years, and if you don't know how it ends, you're going to find out. Um, but, but do you remember the most famous line from this movie? Freedom! Freedom! He's about to die, okay? You remember who, who the, the tyrannical king from England was? Edward Longshanks. Thank you, man. We got some, I, I should know that. David, David's in my small group, man. He's got some of these movies down. He knows all of it. Longshanks wanted them to bow to him and, and William Wallace refused. And so at the end, he's torturing William Wallace and he says, if you will bow before me, admit that we are right, then we will quit torturing you and we'll kill you quickly. And torture him, he does. It's horrible, horrible torture. And right there at the end, it's one of the coolest scenes. Longshanks is up there laying in his bed about to die. He thinks that he's going to get to hear William Wallace bow and, and admit that he's right. And what does William Wallace scream? Freedom! And it changes the world. Yay. Y'all aren't as excited as I am. Well, this idea of freedom is, is written in the souls of every person who breathes. Our country was founded by a bunch of folks who said, we want to be free. We talked about last week, it's written into our Constitution. We find these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Ah, oh, just great documents. And everyone here wants to be free. You have this longing to be free. And do you know where that longing comes from? If you've been here any amount of time, you know it's tied in with the series. True freedom can only be found in the Trinity. And we're going to look at that today. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit created you and designed you with this desire for freedom. But in reality, many of you aren't free today. Let's look at some Scripture and let's see. let the Bible be the one that tells you about the Trinity and how the Trinity wants to make you free. Psalm 119.32, David is writing this about God. And if you read Psalm 119, it's, it's the longest uh, chapter in the Bible. If you read it, it talks about all of these commands and statutes and precepts, all of these things that he's, he's talking about God's Word. If you follow God's Word, look what he says specifically here in verse 32. I run the path of your commands. I think there's only three verses in this whole section. There's, there's a hundred and some odd verses. Only three verses in there don't have something about commands or precepts or statutes or, or laws. I run in the path of your commands, and that means I obey your commands. And look what happens if you obey those commands. For you have set my heart free. He is talking to God the Father. So God the Father sets us free. Jesus, speaking to a group of, of Jews um, in his day, said this in John eight thirty four. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Sin promises all of this great stuff, but what sin really does is it enslaves you. Jesus Christ says, if you want to be truly free, you've got to be set free by the Son. So God the Father sets us free. God the Son sets us free. 2 Corinthians 3.17 For the Lord is the Spirit. Notice that Spirit is capitalized. That means the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit. And wherever the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom! 
Y'all got to get into it. God the Holy Spirit sets us free. Freedom's one of our greatest treasures, but in reality, many of you today are not free. You're enslaved. It's not that you don't want to be free. You don't know how to be free. So what I want to do in the next few minutes is I want to show you how to experience the freedom that only the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, has to offer. And we're going to go all the way back to the beginning like we do many times, and we're going to try to dig from Scripture what God has to say about true freedom. Number one on your listening guide. Mankind was tethered to the Trinity. Little Jamie, uh, would you bring me that pole down there? James calls me DMF. Wait, I'm not there yet. Calls me DMF, Douglas Merriweather Fairchild. Has nothing to do, one name out of three. Uh, 33% he's batting. Um, so James calls me. I don't know why he just thought that Douglas Merriweather Fairchild sounded good. And so then he decided I needed to be the third. So DMF the third. And then he decided that I needed to be a sir. So he knighted me and he calls me Sir DMF or SDMF. Well, I, I was trying, I was searching for a, uh, a uh, proper way to identify James, and I heard that his family used to call him Little Jamie Bray. <laughs> so I just call him Little Jamie, or, or LJ, or LJB. So I give you permission. This is Little Jamie. Call him Little, Little Jamie. Okay, Little Jamie has something here, and he's going to be Vanna Little Jamie. V-LJ. All right, we're getting good. Now, anybody know what this is? Tetherball. Tilt that over there for a second, and let's see if you can tie that on there. V-L-J. Now, have, how many of you played tetherball? How many of you like tetherball? Yeah. Oh, dude, I would not play you, Brad. Brad's 6'7". I'm not... I've played basketball with Brad. You get like within 20 feet of him. He swats your stuff. Um, but, but Brad, I bet, I bet he was good at tetherball. Now, I liked it as a kid. My kids like it. I may have to get Brad to come tie this. Is that what you're well, telling me no, there? No, that's right. That's right. That's right. It doesn't have to. Okay. All right. Now, in volleyball, yeah, any of y'all see Napoleon Dynamite? I, I, I... Okay. Unfortunately, that's all I think of whenever I see a, a tetherball pole. Well, here, what's the, what's the object of tetherball? Get around the pole. You want it to go that way. You don't want it to come this way, right? And so the whole object is the ball is tethered to the pole, hence the name. Now, what happens if the ball becomes detached from the pole? It's game over. Thank you. That's actually what I put in. Did you read that? That's what I put in my sermon. Game over, at least in somebody, until somebody repairs this. It, the design was this ball goes around this pole. This pole needs to be anchored <laughs> or it's going somewhere. So we're not going to, we won't do that right now. But this, it needs to be anchored because if this is cut off. This ball was designed to be tethered to a pole and it's supposed to go around it. If it's, if it comes, becomes detached, no longer is it the game of tetherball. In a very real sense, human beings, when they were created, were tethered to the Trinity. When God created Adam and Eve and He put them in the garden, you're gonna to have to stand there, man. You're gonna to have to stand there, man. So this looks good. When God created Adam and Eve and He put them in the garden, he tethered them to the Trinity. We've read this verse several times, but I want you to get it down. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Who's the us and who's the our in that verse? The Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There was this incredible connection when God created the first man and the first woman, 
And, and this connection was at a soul level. They were tethered together. Incredible. But what happened? Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God. And, and do you know what happens when you rebel against God? The tether is cut. Oh man, I ruined it. Anyway, then nothing. He'll be back in a minute. Now, our sin, this is point two, our sin cuts the tether. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, it cut the tether to God. The moment you and I sin, it cuts the tether to God. And make no mistake, every one of us has cut our own tether. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone, I underlined it, I bolded it, so that you can see it, for everyone has sinned. We all, how many of us is all? Everyone. Do this little circular definition there. All fall short of God's glorious standard. No one can say, I've never sinned. No one can say, my tether has never been cut. Every person has sinned. Everyone has cut their tether. And that that cutting the tether separates us from God. And uh, here's the deal. I'm not guilty of sin because Adam and Eve sinned. I'm guilty of sin because I sinned. They sinned, it cut their tether. I sinned, it cut my tether. You sinned, it cut your tether. That's what the Bible tells us. I'm not held guilty for Adam and Eve's sin. Now, when I'm born, do you have to teach me how to sin? When you were born, did somebody have to teach you how to sin? You just naturally... Nobody signed you up for sin tutoring lessons. Nobody said, my child does not know how to sin. Call them up, 411. I need some information on thin tutors because my kids is too good. Anybody feel like that? You wish, right? You have to train your children to be good. Now, I was never put on a select sin team so that I could perfect my sinning. If you knew the guys I hung out with, you'd say, wow, that would be a select sin team. But, But nobody put us in that designation to help us practice sin. Our parents tried to keep us apart from one another. So that maybe we would learn how to be better. You become like people that you hang out with. Well, when we cut the tether, we're no longer anchored to God's standard. And God's standard is the Bible. And so what we do is we just float around in life. And, and we try to, to uh, find something to bring us satisfaction. And it looks kind of like this. Let's say now that this tether ball has become the sun. S-U-N. In our universe. But this sun, this universe, because it's no longer tethered to God's standard, this represents me. Because I'm not tethered to God's standard, I want everything to revolve around me. So, if I get lonely, I want to find a relationship where somebody revolves around me. This would be you or, you know, somebody revolves around me because I'm so self-centered. Oh, by the way, we are talking heterosexual relationships. There was some discrepancy last week, and I just want to make sure that Man, woman, okay, let's, let's go on from that. If you don't understand, go back and get the, the message from last week. So here's me, I want anybody, but if you're my friend, and we can have male to male friendships, it, I want that to revolve around me, and I want a job that revolves around me, and I want a dog that revolves around me. And you do too. And we have this competition thing going on, me, 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 it's all about me. Because I'm a sinner and I don't have anything to anchor my life to, then I think that everybody should revolve around me. I'm a slave to sin. And I want you and everybody else to be a slave to me. And you want everyone to be a slave to you. And it just doesn't work that way. But but as long as everything is revolving around me, I'm moderately happy for a short time. 
But as soon as things stop revolving around me, all hell breaks loose. And Satan is glorified because we're not doing things God's way. Then the next thing you know, I'm tired of other people that don't revolve around me, so I go try to find a new set of people. And I try to find something that, that makes me feel special. You do too. Because we're sinners. Because we're not tethered to God. You desperately want to be connected to something. But if you've never met Christ, you don't even know what you want to be connected to. So we chase things. We chase things. And cars, jobs, toys, drugs, sex. We chase it all. It works for a little bit. But not for very long. And that's because we put God-sized expectations on people who are not God. Did you know the number one uh, source of frustration in relationships, whether that's a marriage relationship or friendship or neighbors or, or work relationships, the number one source of frustration in those relationships is unmet expectations. And really what we do is we place unrealistic expectations on other people. If you notice how you want justice for other people who do you wrong, but you want mercy and grace when you do wrong. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Can't you forgive me? If you do wrong, but if someone else, oh, no, I want you to pay. It's because I want everything to revolve around me. And, and I just want to let you in on a little secret. No one will ever meet your expectations. Except God. No, wait a minute. Not even God is going to meet your expectations. It's because you want... God to revolve around you. That's not going to happen. That's unrealistic. God says, I am the standard. He's given us His Bible, which is our anchor. He says, you do things my way, your life works. I will not change and revolve around you. That's not going to happen. Many of you are far from God today because your sin has cut the tether between you and God. You want, to, you want to be in charge, and God says no, and you're drifting further and further away from God. You need an anchor. And this whole fact that we are drifting further and further away from God points out number three on your listening guide. We need to be re-tethered to the Trinity. True freedom, I said, comes from the Trinity. We're searching for the Trinity. When you try to put stuff in that empty void in your heart and you try to put relationships in that empty void in your heart, that's only a deeper symptom. That's outward symptoms of, of a deeper yearning in your heart. You yearn to be attached, reattached to the Trinity. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Christianity is just so narrow-minded. How narrow-minded is it to expect a train to run on the train tracks? What happens when a train goes off the tracks? It's not good. You watch Destroyed in Seconds? <laughs> it's narrow-minded of that airline pilot to land on the runway. It's restricting our freedom as passengers on the plane to land wherever we want. Let's rush the cockpit. Let's take over the controls. Let's go land in the cow pasture. How stupid is that? But that's what we do. We think... We know better. Somebody's going to get a call or a text. We think that we're better. We know better what God, what we can do. And we try to tell God what needs to happen. We're searching for freedom. We're searching for peace. But we're looking in all the wrong places. Look at Colossians 1.19. For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through Him, God reconciled. Reconciled means retethered. 
God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were His enemies, separated from Him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now He has reconciled, there it is, retethered you to Himself through the death of Christ in His physical body. And as a result of being retethered, as a result, He has brought you into His own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before Him without a single fault. People come to me all the time and, and, and you know, you, you guys write on the back of your cards and I'm glad you do. I want you to do that. And, and you'll write down, you know, pray for this situation and, and man, I'm just struggling in this area and this relationship and this, and, and there's just no peace. And, and if I could offer you a cup of peace, you would take it and you'd drink it because you want that. There's no peace. And, and honestly, some of you, there's no peace with God. A peace of God because there's no peace with God. You cannot have the peace of God that guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus that Philippians 4 talks about without having peace with God. It, there's an order. There's a process here. When you get peace with God, you have the peace of God. So I told you last week that um, every major act of God involved the Trinity. And this idea of retethering is no ex- exception to that. God knew our predicament. The Bible tells us that, that God, before God ever created the world, He knew that we were going to rebel. He knew that we were going to cut the tether. So before He ever created the first human being, God planned a way for humans to get back to Him. So God the Father made the plan. God the Son worked the plan. And, and did you know when Jesus came? Because people think, oh, well, maybe Jesus came just, you know, haphazardly. At just the right time when all of the events of history were aligned, when the Romans had, had paved roads all over the known empire, when, when there was a time of peace, when there was actually a time of hostility towards religion things, the Bible says at that time, at just the right time, Christ came on the scene. Look at uh, Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when, what time? The right time came. God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that He could adopt us as His very own children. A lot of people say that because Jesus Christ voluntarily submitted Himself to God the Father that He's lesser than the Father. That's not true. We talked about that last week. Voluntarily submitted to God the Father and became a human and He lived a sinless life. He accepted the role of sin-bearer The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Why? Because we needed someone to bear our sins. We needed a sin bearer in order to be retethered. But why does there have to be shedding of blood? The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no retethering to God. Someone has to pay for the sin. Either you have to pay for your sin, or Jesus Christ pays the sin on your behalf. The offer of peace is there. The offer of freedom is there. The offer to reattach you to God is there, but you have to accept it. The very last words that Jesus said when He was hanging on the cross before He died were, it is finished. What was finished? The plan. God planned the work. Jesus worked the plan. He completed the plan. And the Holy Spirit personalizes the plan for each one of us. The Holy Spirit makes people even aware that they need to be retethered. Jesus, when He was talking in John 6, look what He says. This is amazing. The Father is the one who sent me. So there's God the Father, there's God the Son. No one can come to me unless the Father draws Him. You can't even... It's not even your idea to come to God. 
through the Holy Spirit, He makes you aware that there's something missing on the inside, that you need something more. God draws people through the power of the Holy Spirit. God made the plan. Jesus worked the plan. The Holy Spirit personalizes the plan. Galatians 4, 6. Because we are His children, after you've been adopted into His family, we are His children. God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. So here it is. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the hearts of people who are adopted into God's family, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. How much more personal can you get than that? The Holy Spirit, when we cry out to God and say, we need to be retethered, the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and prompts us to call God, Dad. I don't know about you. That's a very personal word to me. When my children call, Dad, I listen. Dad, I need you. I come. Dad, will you do this? Dad, I need you. It's very personal to me. And the Holy Spirit prompts us to call God the Father, Dad. And you're not here by accident today. Um, it's amazing to me because a lot of folks will say, oh, I just happened to be in town this weekend. No, you didn't. The Holy Spirit has been working to have you here today. Uh, I told you about David. He, he said, man, so many times something would happen in my life and then that Sunday you'd talk about it. And, and he said, that's what kept me coming because there has to be somebody smarter than you. I said, you're right. The Holy Spirit was working in David's life to prepare him. The Holy Spirit was working in your life. Sometimes people say, man, you were talking right to me. How did you know? Somebody tell you what's been going on in my life? No. The Holy Spirit has been personalizing God's plan for you. It is not an accident that you're here. Sometimes people say, um, man, when we're singing, just lose it. I just start weeping. Justin told me, he said, man, I never wept before I gave my life to God. He said, now I cry all the time. That's the Holy Spirit personalizing for Justin. Because here's the deal. The people who realize how special their relationship with God is are the people who realize how far from God they were. When you see that distance and you realize that God closed the gap, you're grateful and it's going to cause you to weep. The Holy Spirit is personalizing the plan for you. God's Holy Spirit works out the plan in you of God the Father. Jesus did the work. The Holy Spirit does the work of making it relevant to the individual. So humans were tethered to the Trinity. Our sin cut the tether we need to be retethered. Here's number four. We have the freedom to choose. We, we have the choice to either be tethered back to the Trinity or not. But you don't understand. I like feeling empty. <laughs> I want to keep trying things that don't satisfy. I like being disconnected. I like it so much that I'll stay that way for all of eternity, for in this life and the next. That makes as much sense as a tether ball with no pole to attach to. You have every right to refuse. But if you refuse, never let me hear you say, how can a loving God send anyone to hell? If you've been here at this series, you understand a loving God didn't. Never does send anyone to hell. Hell was prepared for Satan and his demons. God the Father, the loving Father, made a plan before you ever breathed your first breath. God knit you together in your mother's womb. God sent His Son so that you would have a way. God planned the work. The Son worked the plan. Do not tell me that a loving God sends someone to hell. 
you send yourself to hell if you choose to refuse what Christ has done. See, it makes no sense to say, man, I want to live my life totally detached from God and then I want to go hang out with Him in heaven forever. No, it doesn't work that way. If you want to be separated from God while you're here on this planet, you've made the choice to be separated from Him forever. But if you want to be retethered, God says, I've made a way. It's your choice. Here's the deal. You can't make the choice for me. It's very personal. I can't make the choice for you. If I had some holy retethering water, I'd I'd soak your tails today to get you into the kingdom of God. If I could die today so that you would, I would do it so that everybody here would go to heaven. Because I know, I know the permanence of rejecting to be retethered back to God. You can refuse, but don't say that it was God's fault. Quite literally, the ball is in your court whether you want to be retethered or not. Now, some of you, may want to be attached back to God and you just don't know how. I want to kind of show you today um, an illustration. All right, LJ. VLJ. Vanna. You're Vanna now, man. Need you to pick up this ladder? Bring it up here. All right, now. Where's Nate? Come here, Nate. You and VLJ... Y'all gonna help me out. Now, what, this is the popular theory of how people get to heaven. Right? Popular theory is, if I do enough good stuff, I can work my way up the ladder, and I can make it to heaven. Every world religious system, except Christianity, buys into that. Alright, now, I've got some, uh, some folks, some names on here, and they're just kinda in random order. Remember, they're in random order. Nate, what I want you to do is I want you to place them on the ladder where you think they go according to God's plan. And, and we're going to start off easy. Jesus Christ. You're going to have to lean that over sitting here. Where do you think Jesus Christ goes on this whole ladder thing? Yeah. I can't reach that high. Lean it on over. Need Brad again. All right. So... As Christians, we believe that... Random order. Hang on, hang on. As Christians, we believe that that Jesus Christ is perfect. So He's at the top rung. Random order here. Where where do you think Doug Washburn is? (laughs) That's good because next I have Axe Murderer. And you might put him above me, man, because he put him right beside me. It's all because I told you he needed a date last week. That's why he's he's doing This one's rough. You're going to put it right next to me, aren't you? No, rapist, no. he's going to put that there too. Rapist, where do you think a rapist goes on this ladder? All right, thank you, thank you. Osama bin Laden, where does he go? <laughs> Jeff Gillis, where does he go? That's his daddy. <laughs> Oh, now, you see the next one? Nathan Gillis. Where would you put Nathan Gillis on this whole thing? Uh, (laughs) Obama. Oh, wow, that that came from a 
a brother there. Satan. Where are we going to put Satan on here? All right, you got him down there with Obama. Billy Graham. Y'all know who Billy Graham is? Billy Graham has spoken to more people about Jesus Christ than any person in history because of his rallies and because of television. Wow. You put him higher than I would, but because Billy wouldn't put himself that high. He's definitely above me. Yeah, okay, okay. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament. You'd say he's a pretty good guy, right? Now, I want you to know the Apostle Paul says he's the chief of all sinners. He'd put himself down there, but we're going to see where Nate puts him. King David? Well, we'll do him another time. All right, now, popular theory says that if I work hard enough, I can begin climbing up the ladder so that when I stand before God, I say, look how good I was. Or another theory is it's the, the good deeds versus bad deeds. That Like there's this weighing scale up there. And if I've done enough good deeds, then, then they outweigh my bad deeds and I get to go to heaven. Problem is, what if you, if you did more bad deeds than good deeds? You with Osama. I don't know if he's there or not. I'm, that's where Nathan put him. You're down there with Satan. And people believe that they can do this. But okay, the Apostle Paul says, I'm the chief of all sinners. And the Apostle Paul is, he did great stuff. Billy Graham did great stuff. Jeff Gillis does great stuff. And everything, I know that's right, baby. Everything they did is not good enough to get them up there. What's that say about you and me? Because I'm down there. I'm below Jeff. What does that say about us if, if the best people we know aren't good enough to be up there? Where are they going to go? Hell. Man, that's kind of scary. And have you noticed when people compare themselves with other folks? I've had these conversations. Well, I'm not that bad a person. Nobody ever says, I'm not as bad as the Apostle Paul. Nobody ever says, I'm not as bad as Billy Graham. There have been people who said, I'm not as bad as Dr. Washburn. I'll just confess that to you. But they usually pick the people we put down here. Axe murderers, rapists. I'm not them. Well, great. You're still going to hell. And the amazing thing is, when I accept what Christ has done, because I told you Christ came, God planned the work, Christ worked the plan. When Christ came, the cool thing is everyone who accepts Him, in reality, I would be up there. Jeff would be up there. The Apostle Paul, Billy Graham, we'd be up there. Nate would too. We'd be up there because Jesus makes up the gap. Does that make sense? But only you can make that choice. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. It's another difference. I try to point out the differences between Christianity and other world belief systems. In world belief systems, you could just boil it down to this with the most simple illustration I can think of. World belief systems, you could spell it do, D-O. It's all about what I do to try to earn my way to heaven. I can show you I've studied world religions. Do not say 
that every world religion is the same. Do not say that all roads lead to God. They can't. They're mutually exclusive. I've studied them, and it's all about if I do enough good, I can stand before God and say, I'm here based on my good stuff. You know what the Bible says about your good stuff? It's like filthy rags. The Bible says that your best deeds on your best day fall short of God's glorious standard, and because of that, you deserve hell. So every other world religion except Christianity is spelled do, D-O. Christianity is the only world belief system that I've ever studied that's spelled D-O-N-E. Everything is based on what Christ has already done. I can add nothing to the formula to get my name into the book of life, to have Christ adopt me as His Son. I, I, I have to base everything on what Christ has done. And here's another thing that makes Christianity unique. It's the only world belief system in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, But this Holy Spirit is not some energy, some life force like the force in Star Wars. It's not some energy that exists. The Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity who comes and lives inside of you and changes you from the inside out. And as long as we breathe, we're going to struggle with this former self. We have this self that wants to be revolved around. But the Holy Spirit begins to make me look more like Jesus Christ and even change my desires. If if I've hurt your feelings and I have a desire to come and talk to you, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. If anything I ever say from this pulpit touches your heart, that's not me. That's God the Holy Spirit personalizing the things of God the Father, God the Son for you.